Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, September 9th of 2020. We are so glad that you could join us today on our Bible study. As always, it is an honor to come to you and to be able to spend this precious time in the Word of God. Yesterday, we we started our week on Psalm 74, and we had a tremendous uh, a tremendous study. I got a I got word from one of the listeners who who shared with me, Brother Fernando and Brother Marty, how how much he was blessed uh, to listen to the podcast. He said I was brought to tears. He said, but tears of joy and comfort. Uh, as I was reminded that God still answers prayers, and uh, this is we we thank you we, we thank you for sharing these these things with us and and letting us know that the word is is finding its way in the hearts of people and and I was so blessed uh, to uh, be part of it yesterday was uh, a way to begin and and I'm just excited of what we're going to glean today uh, where the Lord is going to take this today and. And so today in our panel, we have uh, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando joining us. As always, it is a privilege and an honor to be able to uh, study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're picking up our continued study of Psalm 74. Um, You know, as we were looking into it yesterday, we we began to uh, lay the foundation and and covered some territory. It's really an incredible psalm. It's a it's it's a prophetic vision that was given to the uh, to to the uh, choir director, really uh, chosen by King David, one of the three. Uh, there was Asaph, uh, Jeduthun, and uh, Heman. These were the three men that David chose to be the the leaders over uh, the worship uh, in God's house, and. Uh, of Asaph and Haman, they were known also as seers or prophets, uh, as we call them nowadays. Uh, and and into that, uh, Psalm 74 comes uh, to us, and and it's it's an incredible vision that God gave Asaph, uh, whose name means the one who gathers or a gatherer, which kind of sets the tone for what God would reveal to him, because from the beginning to the end of it verse 1 through 23, it sets out uh, the span and the length, really, of the entire history of, pro- of prophetic events that would lead ultimately to the uh, to the return of the Lord. Uh, at the end of the psalm, we'll see that. And that's what we've been exploring. And, you know, it primarily deals with, with God's dealings with his people, both in, in judgment and in wrath. But it also culminates with the ultimate wrath of God being poured out upon the end-time generation, the end-time world. It's an unfolding of history. It's the culmination of all things. And we're going to get into it again and and, uh, and take a look at it. But uh, I want Brother Jeremy, if you could, Brother Jeremy, uh, can you read to start our study off today in the, uh, just for a brief review? But there's some things that we need to look at again. Um, in verse 1 through 3. Could you start with us there, and we'll begin our study in Jesus' name. Amen. Masculine of Asaph, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? 
Why doth thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thy inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy had done wickedly in the sanctuary. Amen. Lift up thy feet unto perpetual desolations. We're going to get into that in a minute. It's quite extraordinary what what he reveals there. Uh, again, like we talked about yesterday in verse 1, it says if we pick up the thought uh, that's that's about to be unfolded here in, in mid-vision, he's already uh, crying out to God in verse 1, uh, have you cast us off forever? So it gives the sense of, uh, you know, what has transpired, which he begins to unfold there in, in the coming verses, which is actually the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple of God, and the judgment of God upon his people. None of that which had happened yet and wouldn't happen for multiple decades, you know, uh, not even until the time that Solomon, not up until the time that Solomon had built the temple. So he's actually having this vision well into the future. Uh, and, and as we'll see here this morning, as we look into this podcast or whenever you're listening, we're going to see some extraordinary things that were revealed and why they apply to our time now. Because Psalm 74 encompasses, like we said, the entirety of history. And, and not just history itself, but, but three specific events. And we'll see that in a minute here. But what's interesting is, is we pick it up with this great lament, right? In verse 1, he's crying out to God. He's appealing to Elohim, which is very insightful. Because Elohim is the plural name of God. And for those who have eyes to see and understand scripture, scripture he, he refers to him in the plural. So this, this lament and this action that's actually taking place involves the entirety of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he, he begins to ask the question, have you cast off forever? Have you, have you forgotten about your people? What's about to be unfolded? in this prophetic vision is, is incredible when you think about it. You know, the prophets were shown things that that just boggle the mind when you really go into the depth of the Spirit here, uh, of how the Spirit reveals to these men of God. And like Brother Jeremy read here, the beginning of Psalm 74 begins with the word, the words, the maskil of Asaph. And we talked about that word maskil as being an important key understanding how the psalm should be approached because the word maskil literally indicates that what's being written is is a song or or a poem if you will but it's prophetic in nature and the word maskil also means to have great skill it reminds me of what the apostle paul said in hebrews chapter 5 he talked about the difference between skill and and unskilled people in the word of god but this psalm the spirit really uh you know starts drawing our attention to what is going to be required to really understand what's being said so it has to be approached from that it requires skill of the holy spirit and that skill and that ministry of the spirit it isn't just for anyone who casually picks up the word of god and tries to understand mysterious things that are concealed there 
it requires the skill of the spirit. And it's interesting that it was given to Asaph because, like we said, he was the chief director of the worship in the house of God. And I think the two are connected, very much so, worshipers of God. And we and we can we can also reflect on that in this sense that because of the subject and the content of what's revealed in the psalm here, which is prophetic in nature from beginning to end, it requires great skill to understand it, but it must not be absent the component of the kind of quality of character that's necessary to even enter into that kind of position that we must be in, spiritually speaking, to receive what it is that the Spirit of God reveals. The concealed is revealed by the Spirit of God. And so he sets the tone that way. So it requires worship. It requires spiritual maturity and skill and meditation. You know, we a lot of times people, you know, they read the Word of God and they just kind of read it and they don't really, you know, take the time to meditate on what's being said there. So all these things are necessary as we dig into the Word of God. And so he begins to to lament when we pick this up in verse 1, like we talked about yesterday, we're in mid-thought. It's as if we've entered into to a raging scene of intensity that leaves Asaph with a sense in his prophetic vision that God has abandoned his people and that it's 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 primarily in his sense dealing with the Jewish people who would be exiled and and the lament that through history would they ever be regathered again. But as he unfolds the psalm, it goes much deeper than simply the Jewish people. We know this now because of the scriptures that have been added since, you know, the completion of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, making up the 66 books of the Bible and history itself in light of what the scriptures and the prophets and the holy apostles would reveal to us all serve now to give us a fuller and, and, and more comprehensive understanding of what's actually taking place and transpiring not only down through history but it's come to rest in our time and we'll see that as we go along so then he asked the question in verse one he says why have you cast us off forever um, and then he says this he says does the does thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? And it's very interesting, uh, the the phrase that he uses there, uh, thine anger smoke. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> because it sets the tone for something here that, again, allowing the Holy Spirit to take us into deeper understanding in the Word of God. The Word... Uh, thine anger smoke the word uh, anger it comes from uh, the hebrew word which means uh, the nostril or the nose you know like the part of our face the nose <clears throat> but in hebrew understanding uh, whenever that phrase is used uh, for nostril here it was interpreted thine anger but the picture is when you get into the original hebrew of the nostrils of god flaring and so what the rabbis teach us about that is that it indicates that God is acting in his wrath. Now, this is important to understand as we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks about what God has revealed in his word concerning his wrath. 
which has implications all the way up until the end in the final church, right? Uh, and the great debate that's going on now, uh, you know, as it, as it pertains to end-time prophetic events, which we won't get into right now. But the Word of God indicated that there would be three specific outpourings of the wrath of God. That's different than simple judgment or correction. It speaks of wrath, and it sets the tone uh, for, the, for the psalm that we're exploring here, the word anger can be translated anger can be translated therefore nostril and if you get into the the deeper meanings it also means wrath and smoke is is a uh, fuming anger which is all wrapped up in that phrase uh doth thine anger smoke is your wrath against the sheep of your pasture that is what he's 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 reflecting on because he wants us to understand how God is dealing with his people and that he viewed what he saw overall in the unfolding prophetic vision of Psalm 74 as an act of the wrath of God. And that's, that's something to keep in mind. It's one, it's also another thing, brothers, you know, jump in anytime you want, of course. Uh, it's something that, that, you know, it's a great fallacy of the modern day church in that it has really no concept, especially in the American and Western, Westernized church, of the correcting hand of God, that God would actually allow correction to come. Were you going to say something? No, yeah, no, you're right, that, that he would correct right. his church, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no, we, we correct the world, but no, no, not, not God correcting the church. That, that can't happen here in America. <laughs> And that's that's, that's really true because, you know, and, it, and it's even more insightful when you reflect on it, because, you know, in the Jewish people's case, before the birth of the church, uh, that is the coming together of Jew and Gentile and becoming the body of Christ, their concept was that they were they were specifically chosen of God, which they were, but they they bought into this idea that they were so entitled as a result of being the quote unquote chosen people that nothing could happen to them. Even up until the Babylonian destruction, the first wrath of God that was poured out upon them, they were still clinging to the belief that it's absurd to think that anything could happen to the capital city and the nation as a whole. And it was into that climate that we've been talking about that the prophet Jeremiah was raised up by God to be the witness and the prophet that would witness the culmination of all the prophecies that had gone before warning and predicting and prophesying to the people that if they didn't get their act together and if they didn't you know uh begin to exhibit the qualities and characteristics of the chosen people of god that god would have no choice but to withdraw himself from that nation and give them over uh to, to ultimate judgment and then finally the outpouring of his wrath upon his people this is the concept that the modern church can't possibly or doesn't possibly, or, or doesn't really uh, reflect upon that it's happened before, and especially in America, because that's what we've been dealing with really in the in the in the brunt of these podcasts we've been doing over the last several months, is that the United States has come to a point in its history where it it is exhibiting many of the characteristics that were that were being shown forth in Judah and Jerusalem just prior 
to its own destruction. God deals with his people first. That's what Peter said, right? Judgment must begin in the house of God. And that's what makes Asaph's reflection so profound, is that he recognized that what had happened in his vision, what he saw well into the future, and what was going to take place uh, to his own people was actually God's wrath being poured out upon his sheep. They belong to him. And it's something that he asked the question. It's something that we're not hearing today, right? We're hearing anything but that today. When it comes to our own pseudo-modern-day prophets, uh, you know, to, to the contemporary ideology and, and what, is, what has evolved into a philosophy of Christianity rather than the truth of the gospel is that <laughs> and that that has served to blind us uh when it comes to reflecting the kinds of things that we see transpiring in our very nation today the coming apart at the seams and all the things that we're all experiencing together uh whether it's the burning of of our streets the looting of our businesses the the desecration of our churches the falling away of our preachers the division of the nation, uh, the teetering of the economy. I mean, just go down the list, man. You, you don't hear preachers on the national stage standing up and saying, this is judgment that has come to our, our country because not of the world, not because of Black Lives Matter or Antifa. They are simply right. the the reflection, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the invading force that we open the door to. That's what the church doesn't want to admit. But we'll get into that a little bit more in, in a second here. But but let us take, uh, you know, let us draw some insight here from what the Holy Spirit reveals in what Asaph said. He understood something. That the conditions that he's about to reveal, that the destruction that would come, and all those things that, that we that we're talking about, had their origination in God dealing with the sheep of his pasture in in wrath, <laughs> not just simple correction now, but it is a people that reaches a point of no return when the sin is so egregious that even like he would, when he sent Jeremiah, remember brothers, he sent Jeremiah, one of the first things he began to preach was, I have sent prophets to you early well before you got to this point, I began to warn you through the decades and couple centuries leading up to this this wrath that was about to be poured upon them in their time. It's the same for our generation. The things that we are witnessing now, they haven't just sprung up overnight. They're a result of of, of decades of decline and compromise that is now, you know, harvested, if you will, the the uh, and reaped uh, what what has been sown amongst the people of God, those that claim to go by His name, and and so that is what we see taking place. And then he goes on to verse two. Can you read verse two again to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thy inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou has dwelt. So what he he then in acknowledging the things we were just talking about, he then calls upon God to remember something. 
he stands as intercessor really he he's a type of christ in this in this sense that the spirit of christ was in him and he begins to appeal to god and he does it from three points of view number one remember your congregation which you purchased of all number two uh it is the rod of thine inheritance which you redeemed and then number three this mount zion wherein thou hast dwelt three positions that he comes and begins to to talk to god about the first one in reviewing it again this morning it it i, I realized you know what we <laughs> in looking at all the different sources and material and different scholars and what they have to say one of the things that i noticed was that uh, which i hadn't considered until this morning was that that the congregation which you purchased of old and jump in on this because i know you guys have have good insight on this too uh the rabbis indicate that that the word uh purchased of old he says the first they say the first thing that asaph was actually doing uh was 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 appealing to god based on uh before the beginning of creation because that's literally what that word means of old purchased of old so mm -hmm. he's talking yeah he's he says he first goes to god and 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 he's using the word old there it indicates the beginning of time or before the beginning of time this is incredible <laughs> as i began to meditate upon it this morning uh because <clears throat> he 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 goes to god based on the big picture now let's just take our time here for a second and i want your guys input here because we know the scriptures that that talk to us about you know the lamb was slain before right the foundation of the world now remember we're dealing as we as we go on into this we're we're dealing with the wrath of god being poured out and and what's being yeah. revealed is that his people are intricately tied to the outpouring of wrath and that when the wrath begins to be poured out it's in connection with the overall big picture the big questions that everybody has what is god doing or what is this all about in in asaph's sense in his spirit when he began to talk about his wrath being poured out upon the sheep of his pasture he immediately goes into a, an incredibly deep and profound place when he begins to talk to god and intercede on behalf of his people right the congregation he says that they were purchased of old that's an incredible revelation from an old testament seer right mm -hmm. because <laughs> he's saying that that the origin of your people god and the and the vite and the and the incredible implications if they cease to exist would literally throw the whole of creation out of whack you can't leave it like this you can't allow it to be eradicated brothers do you remember when when the children of israel sinned and and god god uh, moses goes up to talk with with the lord and god says 
I'm just gonna kill them all. <laughs> right? Remember? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just gonna destroy all of them. And then he tells Moses, "What? And I'll start over with you." And, and Moses could have said at that point, "Yeah, oh, that sounds great. Sure." Except for Miriam and Aram, I don't care about everybody else, right? And go ahead. Now, he didn't say that. He he appealed to God, if you remember, uh, on the basis of the covenant that he cut with Abraham. Remember, he, he yeah. <laughs> and he told him, "You can't do that. You made promises." Well, God knew that, but he was he he was allowing the quality of Moses, the spirit of Christ that was in Moses. To come out to stand as intercessor, just like we see Asaph here. It's the same thing. You know, we're seeing Christ in this, and we're seeing that the origins of it are have their have their origin in ancient times. I find it incredibly profound that the first thing that he appeals to God and the basis in which he begins to to draw the Lord's attention to uh has its origins before there was ever a man on the face of the planet. He says, Lord, this is big picture stuff. And so I begin my intercession based on that. See, this is uniquely insightful in the scripture in that when we look at the arguments, for example, and I know this is going a little deep for some of you podcast hearers out there, but but you've been with us long enough, so you should have your Bible and your notepad. And, and, and in your own private study, go look at these things and, and make sure that what we're telling you is true. <clears throat> when Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, it was 40 years before the second outpouring of the wrath of God would occur. And that is when the Romans came down and burnt Jerusalem to the ground and destroyed the temple and the Jews were scattered to the four corners of the earth. Prior to that, 40 years ahead of that time, he wrote the book of Hebrews which is a great theological dissertation, to put it in fancy language, um, on why and uh, that, 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 the, that the old covenant, the old ways of worshiping God, right, through sacrifice, offering, libations, all that stuff, the pouring out of drink offering, all the ordinances and statutes, how it, it had been concluded on Calvary, and that the resurrection served to alert the nation that the old covenant had passed away and a new covenant had begun. And then he lays out the foundational argument based on two separate priesthoods. One he called the Levitical priesthood or the high priest that came from the line of Aaron and his son. And he says that Jesus wasn't that kind of a priest. He said that Jesus was the kind of priest who has an everlasting priesthood. And he likened him to uh, Melchizedek, remember? Who has no beginning and no end. And so when we see that, in essence, there has always been someone that steps in and, 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 and intercedes on behalf of God's people, but each and every one of them would die. In this sense, when Christ rose from the dead and purchased a new heaven and a new earth and a new church, if you will, going forward, what Paul was arguing was that we will never have the need, praise God, uh, for a, for another priest 
it will never ever have to be uh relegated to uh to righteous priests living or dying and being born again god provided himself an intercessor his very own son and that he stands in the gap for you and me forever right he's a high priest and he ever lives to make intercession for us and so it's an incredible thing that we see that whether it was Abel, right, who stood in the gap for mankind, really, in that he offered the first sacrifice, the type of Christ in the garden, he offered a lamb. Or whether it's Noah, right, standing in the gap for humanity, preserving, he used Noah to preserve humanity, who offered sacrifice when he came out of the ark. Or whether it was Isaac, I mean, Abraham and Isaac, when Abraham took Isaac, and offered him as as a sacrifice to God, sealing a new promise, a covenant that was given, or Abraham's faith before the circumcision, a sign of the covenant. All these things were intercessors that stood between man and God and God's ultimate wrath. But all of it, which is so profound by what Asaph is saying here, is that he he appeals to God on the basis of what happened before there was ever a man that walked on the face of the earth. He takes it to such a deep level as he begins to intercede uh, on behalf of all of us, really, and and yeah. begins to draw upon God's uh, covenant, which was established with the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Any thoughts? I think it's uh, <clears throat> powerful, brother. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, from Psalm 73 to Psalms 89, they're known as the Levitical, uh, uh, the Levitic, the Leviticus Psalms, Psalms, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and he writes. It's interesting that right before this chapter, right in 73, we kind of see an ASAP that um, is, is kind of frustrated, right? Kind of frustrated yeah. uh, at at the wealth of the wicked people, and 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 we get an insight of the battle that he was going on. He says, "I almost slipped." He said, but yeah. then he says, "Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end." And now we see him. Now we see this prophecy in chapter seventy-four, and really an intercession, which was part of, of what the Levites did, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And we see a prophetic intercession uh, taking place here in chapter 74. So something happened to him, you know, uh, when he got a glimpse again of God in the sanctuary, he understood yeah. uh, something. I just wanted to comment on that. <clears throat> no, that's really good. Um, and that is exactly what's taking place here. It's a progressive revelation, right? That's what you're saying. It's the yeah. progressive uh, insights given by the Holy Spirit on the journey and progression of this great man of God, and 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 he again. And, and he's I'll say this. But, I'll say, I'll yeah, say this, brother Marty. <laughs> this is kind of um, I don't know out there deep, I guess. But um, if you've been listening to us the way we we've been teaching the Word of God, um, we we've been talking a lot about things that pertain to before the foundation of the world. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about intercession, 
we're talking a, a, about a high priest, um, even the very sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, which predates the creation of man, mm-hmm. right? And and, and and what we're what we're seeing here. Understand this: every intercession that we do in time and space here in the material world, it's it's a it's an intercession that took place by our high priest that's called after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, before me and you were ever created. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so Asaph, this is powerful, touch with this intercession of our high priest and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and begins to declare it, begins to pray it, to intercede it, here in this material world. That's right? incredible. Yeah, stop there for a second because that's a powerful thought. <laughs> and that is what we're saying because what... Correct. Right, I mean, even when, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place, Paul describes it, right, in Romans chapter 8. He says when we when we don't know how to pray, right, he says the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to pray according to the will of God, Right. Uh, let's take a look at that real quick, and then you, and then continue your comments because I think that's what you're saying, and that's that's an incredible thing. That's a that's a really great thought because what that implies, right? And what I think you're saying is that is that Asaph became a conduit or a channel of the will of God, which mm-hmm. is really the Spirit of Christ that was praying through him, which had its Absolutely. origins in eternity past. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, yes, that's exactly that's exactly what he did. That's prophecy. It's it's the and I say it like this: what you know, prophecy. It, 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 people think, well, that's the study of just end times. No, it's the study of all things, past, yeah. present, and future. And I'm not talking about the past, you know, with the beginning of Adam. Right. I'm talking about the past before me and you were created. That's how far yeah. this past goes. And and that's really it's really where all things begun and were initiated. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and really, when it when it gets down to it, that's 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 the whole mystery of of God, you know, and what He's trying to tell us here on planet Earth and His material world that that we find ourselves in in time and space. He's trying to give us information as to what yeah. He is working out in this material world. Right, and it has in its originations in, the, in, 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 you know, before the, the again, that's what Asaph is talking about, uh, yeah. things that pertain to uh, before the foundation of the world, right? And I was gonna throw something in there, but uh, uh, concerning just food for thought, concerning the the anger of the Lord, right? That has to do with the nostrils, his, his wrath. Um, right. We find evidence of that, or. Uh, aspects of that when and you and you taught on this um in the garden of eden when god breathed into adam right yeah. and he became a living soul there was an aspect of god's wrath in it but it was True. a preservation right for what he would do through the second adam jesus christ and that he would give us his spirit right it's and good. so forth and so on but that, that's just food for thought but that's really good stuff, man. And uh, Brother Jeremy, could you read that to us uh, in line of what Brother Fernando is sharing with us there in uh, 
Romans chapter 8, uh, verse uh, 26 and 27, speaking of the Holy Spirit and this concept of the Spirit of God praying through his children uh, and the connective, the connective spiritual tissue, if you will, the ligaments that tie the seen and the unseen uh, together. Can you read that? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's the Holy Spirit, and that, that's, what, that's what we see Asaph doing, right? And, and therefore, yeah. we must conclude, concluding Scripture with Scripture, that it was the Holy Spirit praying through him. And in other scriptures, it talks about the spirit of Christ, which was in the prophets, right, uh, speaking through them. It's incredible, you know, what you were just sharing, Brother Fernando and, and Brother Jeremy, what you were just reading there. Uh, when you think of it at that level, it requires, that's why, that's why when we were talking about, we can go back to Psalm 74 now, but that's why he, when we were talking about how Asaph titled his psalm, Amaskil, of Asaph, right? He was letting us know what I'm about to unveil to you requires incredible skill of the spirit and deep meditation to get the full gist of what's being revealed, what I'm about to write here. And when we get to this, and I don't even, I don't even want that. Now we're back to verse one, because you brought up, you know, when God <laughs> breathed into Adam, right? You know, that, that thought is, is, uh, is very I, I don't I don't really think I've ever really heard anyone talk about it you know I mean I know it's out there we, you know because we're all that brilliant or anything but it's there in the original Hebrew there's an aspect of God's wrath in the exhalation that occurred when he formed man out of the dust of the earth and it says he breathed into Adam there's wrath in that like you said and 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 that's that's levels of 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 discussion uh, that that's important and that's coming to light now at the end of time. Because understand that when the wrath of God has been poured out in the planet, and, and let's just start with the first Babylonian destruction of Judah, Jerusalem, and the temple. That's His wrath. Then we go to uh, it, it was it was a greater sense of wrath that occurred in A.D. 70 after the Jews rejected their Messiah. And 40 years later, the temple would be destroyed again, and Jerusalem burnt to the ground again. The second outpouring of the wrath of God at the rejection of the Messiah was even greater than the first outpouring of the wrath of God, which was which led to their captivity in the Babylon in around 586-87 BC. So with each subsequent outpouring of the wrath of God uh, comes a larger uh, a demonstration of it. it it's its scope is more far reaching in its implications and so it, it 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 literally gets bigger with each outpouring and there's a third outpouring of the wrath of god that is yet to come and it will not only be upon 
uh, you know, a, a false church, so to speak, a backslidden church, but it will also encompass the rest of the heathen world. And that's the third and the final outpouring of the wrath of God. That was all in that breath that Brother Fernando referenced, as he briefly <laughs> referenced, which is absolutely astounding because that is uh, that implies purpose and intent from the beginning, right? right? <laughs> which and then breeds again, a, and that's yeah. that's that's what he's been trying to tell us throughout, uh, you know, history and time leading to the end. Intent, right? To the intent, right? That's what Paul said in in, in Ephesians, right? That, that yeah. God wanted to reveal His eternal purpose to us. Yes, yeah. right? that was what He's always been trying to do, and it's hidden there. It's hidden in 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 in, in the Garden of Eden. It's hidden in Asaph's uh, uh, intercession that we read in Psalm seventy four. We are what He is praying is the unveiling of God's eternal purpose. Mm -hmm. And if we can see it, we will understand the mystery of God. Yes. And we can enter into those places in which he entered into, which is so profound and powerful if we can get it. Yes. And we will understand what will take place in our day, what will befall us who are living in the end times. He's prophesying it back then. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, that kind of gives the, you know, just, just to take a little side note here, you know, it made me think of, you know, what, what, when you're talking about the concept of this kind of intercession, like Brother Jeremy just read in Romans 8, 26, that we reach a point that goes beyond our own logic, our own ability to process and analyze what we should pray for. And so what, what Paul was revealing there is that when we reach that point, the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to pray the actual mind of the Father uh, mm. through us, you know, uh, to further along according to the will of God is what is what John would talk about in prayer, right? He would say that, that if we pray uh, according to his will, he said, we know that he hears us and that we have the thing that we ask for. So when we pray, what prayer is meant to be, therefore, in our own personal lives, we know that prayers and supplications, as Paul lays it out in Ephesians chapter 6, right, as part of the armor of God, right, taking up the sword of the Spirit, uh, which is the word of God, praying always, he says, with all prayer and supplication for all saints, in the Holy Spirit, right? Praying by the Spirit as the Spirit leads us. So there, there's, there's, yes, we go to God, our needs, our prayers, our worship. But then there's this aspect of prayer that's revealed, which you're talking about, Brother Fernando, uh, which is at a much higher level, uh, just to use modern terminology, right? I mean, it's a much higher level. It's, it's the surrender. It's the ecstatic ecstasy of being lost in his presence and his spirit. It is the praying in the Holy Spirit. It is that connective sinew between the seen and the unseen. He is the the, the coupling with the Godhead. 
I mean, that's why he sent him to us, so that God could talk with God. That's, you know, see, now that makes people nervous, but that's what it implies. Maybe I'm not saying it well, but 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 the, I think maybe we start getting an idea of why the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. You need the Spirit. And and in other places, it, let, let's take a look at that in Ephesians. Keep your fingers there on 74, and, those of you that... And, 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 and yeah, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy yeah. Spirit is God, and he's dwelling inside of us, not us. Right. right. What you're saying is that he he put a part of himself in each and one of us, which is yes. so amazing. He, he in essence he like divided himself in each and one of us, forming this beautiful temple. One, right? His yeah. his, his dwelling place, the, the 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 church of God. So he he, he he he. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry, and that's what we were going to say here in, in chapter 2, verse 18. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Read verse it 2, says, 18, uh, Ephesians. Uh, okay. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Incredible. Speaking of the Jew and the Gentile becoming the church of the living God, he says, through Christ, we have access to the Father by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what you're talking about, Brother Fernando, that access, right? That right. that connection. Uh and and then and and then he goes on. Just read the rest down to 22, would you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the buildings fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an, an habitation of God through the Spirit. Incredible. Brother Fernando, we want to continue your thought there? No, I, I, I think that sums it up right there. Um, Right. What you've been saying in Ephesians. Yes. Now, this concept that we're putting forth based on the scripture, which will, as we go along in this study the remainder of this week, is going to open up where we're headed. Because what the Bible seems to be indicating is it, when it speaks of a temple being defiled, which will which will then have uh, uh, the, the the very presence of the devil dwelling in it. Uh, it, it could it could quite conceivably be that that what we are witnessing and what is truly being revealed is is that that defiling of of the final temple of God, just as it was defiled in the days of the Babylonian captivity, just as it was defiled in A.D. 70 in the time of the Roman destruction of Judah and Jerusalem again because of the rejection of the Messiah. And, and and subsequently the defiling of the temple in the end of time. Only now the Bible is telling us the temple is not made with stone, but the temple is is the people. And and it is a temple that is that is predicted to remove the very presence of God from itself. 
What we have being revealed here in Ephesians is that the church made up of Jew and Gentile has become a very habitation of the presence of God. For the Gentile mind, this is this is understood in, in certain levels, but to the Jewish mind, when when it, when he was saying such things, it was such an incredibly deep and profound thought, though not absent with scriptural validity, because even Jeremiah himself, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that God would bring us to a point where He would write His laws. Uh, and and his and his words upon our hearts and our minds that 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 the very living word itself would come to dwell within the hearts of people. We know that now as Jesus Christ, born from above. Remember what he said to Nicodemus: "You're a master in Israel, and you don't understand this concept, this deeper concept, not of a nationalism or a nationalism-minded church that morphs itself into some sort of." natural kingdom that's passing away, but one that is eternal and constructed by the Spirit specifically to become a habitation of the Godhead through the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are meant to become a holy of holies, if you will. And it's that that the enemy's after. That's what everything is leading to right now. That's what Asaph saw, was that there would be three desolations. And he and and before he gets into that, because that's what perpetual desolations is implying as we get into it. Uh, and and he goes on in verse three to talk about uh, what the enemy has done in the sanctuary. We'll get into that probably tomorrow because <laughs> we've gotten onto this <laughs> today, and I don't want to go too far off uh, and and continue knowing that people will just hit the tilt mode eventually. <laughs> I need time to breathe and comprehend all this, right? But. But this is what makes it so profound, and 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 I, you know, we don't want to hurry through this, you know, in as far as our meditation goes, because we're commanded by Asaph to deeply think about it, and I think that's what really intrigued me this morning, at a very interesting way and and and, and profound way in my spirit, was that he first appealed to God from the big picture. And and I love that point you made, Brother Fernando, that he was, it was really the Spirit of God, the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ praying through him. And what he reveals and the basis by which he begins to intercede, right, for the sheep of his pasture is remember thy congregation because thy congregation has always been the intent before the foundation of the world. And when Paul references we have become a habitation of God through the Spirit, and when he talked about us having access to the Father by the Spirit, all of that is what Asaph is talking about, the congregation which you purchased of old. And so the issue is, what is that purchasing power? How did he purchase that congregation? And (laughs) let me tell you something. If we actually would take the time to meditate on what it literally means this purchased of old before time because it's connected to what the scripture says about the lamb of god right who was slain before the foundation of the world how and what how is that possible and what does that imply that incredible 
determinate will of the Father, that the Lamb had already been offered before the cosmos was, before he ever said, let there be light. It's incredible because it enlarges our understanding in the realm of the Spirit to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to take us into that connected will of God. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters out there, there ain't no way we're going to go through what we're going to go through in these coming months and years. What the Bible uh, uh, you know, reveals to us is just ahead of us. We're already seeing it, but we ain't seen nothing yet. Trust me. <laughs> Not what the scripture says is coming. It's begun. Right. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced with it that we have entered into those days. They have begun. Where we are is at the beginning. But it's a lot closer than you think. And as as we can all attest to here in 2020, the things that are unfolding before us happen. It seems like it happened overnight now. It's only been seven months, eight months into the year, and the entire world is different. Everything is different. It right. can happen that, that quickly, right? And so this connective understanding of the will of God is vital to our ability to go through what's coming what's predicted to come against the church that's what asaph would go on to reveal right he's talking about the defiling of the sanctuary the burning down of the synagogues of, the, of israel i mean uh you know the, the destruction of the people he goes on in psalm 79 and talks about the persecution of his own people being just left it in the streets, you know, the wild beasts feeding on them and so forth and so on. That same incredible satanic infliction that that came and persecution that came upon the children of God as a result of their backsliddenness and rejection of God's extended hand of mercy and grace resulted in the in the grossest of of judgments and wrath poured out when the enemy was unchained like like a pit bull right that's trying to bite you and it can't because it's on a chain it's like that it's like okay you persist in re rejecting my grace you persist in in not acknowledging your sin and i have sent for decade upon decade upon decade warnings that if you don't stop something horrible is coming and finally when you cross the barrier of established eternal uh, jurisprudence, legal mandates, heavenly legislation, however you want to call it, established decree and the eternal law of God broken. Mm -hmm. When that is finally broken, there is no more jury necessary the verdict has been passed, and the protective covering of God has to be lifted on a legal basis. Right. And that's right. That's when the pit bull's unchained, <laughs> because right, because right? he has a right to now. When that happens to a society or a culture, only God knows. But that's what we're seeing unfolded here. And, and Asaph appeals to the big picture and says, this is also a legal right. Think about that, brother. Think about that. Because, because he appeals to time before time, <laughs> to eternity past, as if he's right. drawing on 
on a legal document, right? Mm-hmm. As if he's drawing on an established legality that had its origins in eternity past as the opening argument for why God should judge the heathen and no longer judge his people, but rescue them. Any thoughts? <laughs> in many ways, to, to speak about apocalyptic times, to speak about the future, you have to revert to the beginning. That's yes. why, you know, the Bible teaches us, he, you know, he declares the end from the beginning. Now, um, I, I was studying a little bit and uh, a little bit just on this chapter yesterday, but I, I do believe right here, you know, how he starts the, the chapter in 74 where he, where he says about mass, uh, mass skill, right? Yeah. It's going to take yeah. some skill to understand. I believe that that understanding began to happen in, in the chapter before. Where, where he says, well, I, where, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then un, then understood. And I began to check that word understood, which means to separate, to separate mentally. It means to understand, to consider, to di- 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 diligently discern, uh, have intelligence, perceive, be skillful, right? But of what? Yeah. And he says, then understood either end. And that right yeah. there, my brothers, is it speaks about future, posterity, latter day, apocalyptic times. Because in, in reality, now what I'm going to tell you is something I read from Brother J.R. Church. Uh, mm-hmm. He says that Asaph's message is apocalyptic because of some of the wordage he uses in his chapters. For example, words like our God shall come, a fire shall devour before them, that he may right. judge his people. All of these are apocalyptic terms that Asaph used in 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 a, in a few of his psalms to declare something to the end of the end. <laughs> so that's good stuff. Yes. <laughs> so you're gonna say? I was just gonna say. So if 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 um if chapter seventy four, what we're saying is is a prophecy of concerning of what's gonna happen in the future, and he's tapping into the beginning. And we better be we better be paying attention <laughs> what he's saying <laughs> in this chapter. Then that tells us that what we're studying, uh, I think we should get in tune and, and, and see what, what God is saying, you know. Uh so that, that's what I wanted to say concerning that. Yeah, that's excellent, man. That's really good. Yeah, I like that uh in verse seventeen of chapter seventy three, right? Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. It's as if he's already there saying in that sanctuary he saw yeah. the the end of all things, right? The end of the wicked is what he's mm-hmm. talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And he uses right. the same language in verse 19 when he speaks about desolation. And then what's interesting, Brother Jeremy, uh, can you read verse 20 to us in that psalm you were quoting, 73? Yes. As a dream, when one awakens, so, O Lord, when thou awakens, Thou shalt despise their image. I wonder if he's referencing the image that is predicted in the book of Revelation. I know it it, it, it represents the image of the wicked, that is mankind, their image. But, but in context with him having a revelation of the end of the wicked, it's interesting that when he, he references as a dream when one awakens, it, it seems that way, as if as if we've come out of this, 
this dream called life and 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 we've been waiting confined or imprisoned if you will in time which seems to take so long when god actually comes it will seem like a startling awakening out of a dream yeah and 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 he says it seems to be connecting the fact that the awakening or the perceived awakening of humanity that oh my god it's jesus he'll come suddenly yeah. right oh my god it it'll be at a time when there's an image to be despised by the lord isn't that what he says well brother marty it when you look at the meaning of image within the meanings in in the in the hebrew is is uh, one of the definitions is a representative figure. So that, there you that, go. That, that, you know, so that, that could tell us it, it could also be talking about something in the future, right? Right. Something to come. So um, Yeah, that's, that's uh, exactly what I'm saying is that it's possible that whole passage you're talking about, which you brought out so beautifully. Uh, again, verse 19, right? He's talking about his wrath upon the wicked as, uh, read verse 19 to us in that 73, because it does go with what we're talking about. Verse 19. Yes, it says, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment, as in a, a moment? moment. Mm -hmm. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Wow. Amen. That, sound, that sounds like Revelation chapter uh, 6, right? Where, <laughs> yeah. In a moment, where, where yeah. Like, yeah, because the lamb comes, right? Hide us from the wrath of the lamb, right? They're just freaking out. He's actually real. He's coming. It's incredible. It's incredible, man. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew a choir director could have such incredible insight, right? I, I think we need to fire most of our choir directors, brother. You're right. Goodness. You're right. We have, you know, <laughs> our choir directors, you know, uh, making songs about, like you like to say, creation, the sun, the wind, the... <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, the, we need choir the, directors like ASAP, man. That'll preach man. somebody. That'll preach to you. My God, you know? yeah. If you had a choir director like ASAP and he strikes up the music, my God, we're all on our face weeping before God before we know it. I mean, this is incredible. The presence of yeah. God, praise God. So, so he appeals to in verse uh, seventy-four, chapter seventy-four, verse two. Again, he begins his entreaty. Uh, and, and hooks it to eternity past and to God's overall will, God's overall uh, plan. You know, I, I think I want to close here today because we, we've, <laughs> whether you realize it or not, we've just shared some incredible things, not because we're sharing it, but that's what the Word of God is revealing to us. It's so incredible, man, because, you know, we live our lives uh, with a beginning, you know, we've had a beginning, you know, that's all we've ever known. We, we, once we become conscious of self, uh, when we, when we come out of our mother's womb and, and wherever that moment is that we begin to be self-aware, it, it's all we've ever known from that point going forward. It is the job or one of the tasks of the spirit, I should say, uh, to bring the child of God back into a a place of 
of connection with the Lord. That's what he said. Right? We have access through Christ Jesus to the Father by the Holy Spirit. And it's it's meant to begin that process of taking the veil away from our eyes. What is that veil? If you've never noticed, and maybe you've never really thought about it, most, if not, <laughs> we've all been guilty of it, but but especially those who don't know the Lord, uh, the most of humanity, we live our lives in a very horizontal way. Everything that's in front of us, even if you've ever thought about it, when you're little, you think about stuff like this, right? The, the earth is round, right? And when I was little, I used to think, well, how come I don't fall off? And what makes me think that my part of the earth is actually the top? <laughs> Where is the top? <laughs> you know, it's it's a sphere. And, it, and, and when you're little, you, you maybe have things like that, or maybe I was just crazy, but uh, you know, why don't we fall off in all directions? What's holding us here? Well, science likes to tell us it's gravity and all that kind of stuff. Well, they don't even know how to define gravity. Gravity is God in a sense. You know what I mean? He's gra- you know what I mean? He holds all things together. It's his will that keeps us on this planet. But for the most part, we experience life in that which is in front of us. But what the Bible challenges us uh, to begin to understand and with the work of the Spirit, which is why Jesus says it's so beautiful, said it's so beautiful to us that it's better for you that I go away, right? Because what the Spirit of God begins to do is is elevate us into places of understanding of that which has been concealed. It is he that reveals what is concealed. And so when Paul talks about the God of this world, what has he done? Is he who has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. So that implies that the mind itself, the concept of soul and thought is actually unsighted. It can't see. It doesn't really understand what's going on. And he says that that veil is removed in Christ. It begins the process of opening our eyes and having us take a look through the scripture, because that's where it is, illuminated by the word, that we will begin to see this incredible thing that's being revealed, which is has its, its origins in what the scripture says before the universe ever was, before the world ever began. And it teaches us that there are places of reality, for lack of a better word, where the what I like to call the places of the real, <laughs> not the unreal, because this world is not real. It's temporary. It has cycles and seasons. It has lives and deaths, but it has death. And death is an abhorrent thing to our Father, so much so that everything he's made He desires it to live, not die. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. God so loved the cosmos. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in that action, love, Mm -hmm. 
and what he did on the cross and 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 what he testified uh by the resurrection shall not perish if you believe in him the lord jesus christ but have everlasting life that's what we're headed to we don't have a concept of everlasting life but the children of god who follow on to know the lord right uh we will know that his going forth is as the morning. <laughs> he dispels the night, like Hosea said. He drives away the darkness into a perpetual sunshiny day. <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, and, and that's yeah, what he called us to. Was, go ahead, brother. No, no, I was thinking of, of <laughs> where Peter said that he was uh, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world in connection yeah. to what we're talking about, the eternal purpose of God. Um and, 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 and us, you know, because of our fallen state in nature, um, you know, n not having the ability to see uh, the things of the spirit, as Paul addresses the Corinthians uh, about, right? He, he couldn't talk to them as spiritual because they were carnal. He, they yes. couldn't understand these things. And, and, and the cross, where Jesus died on the cross, it was to bring back to harmony the cosmos, all of creation, not just mankind, but everything that is seen. Mm -hmm and unseen, right? It, something yeah. happened before the foundation of the world that brought a chaotic uh, disorder to God's creation before me and you were even created. Think yeah. about that now, right? Yeah. So so this, this harmony wasn't, didn't originate with Adam. It, it originated before me and you were even created. So the the, the cross, what Jesus there did at the cross is so powerful. It transcends mm. time and space and, and literally goes into the realm of eternity where this sin originated before me and you were ever created. So that's why the plan of God, the, the plan of salvation of God was thought about before me and you were even created. Now, he took into account we would sin, but the, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world right. was 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 you know was 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 created, so forth and so on. Yeah. So so when we look at the cross, what do we think of? What do we see? Right? What are the ramifications right. of it? Yeah. Is it just for me to be delivered of my sin? <laughs> that's an aspect, right? But that's not the whole thing, right? Yeah. It's so it's greater than that. It's so far deeper than that. And and that's what we're we're endeavoring to uh, to to elevate our spirit into seeing. I'm always intrigued by the individuals that we we study behind in Scripture, the great prophets, the great apostles, uh, the great stories of of the legends of old. You know, the Davids and the Samsons and the Solomons and the you know whatever you know Isaiah's and Jeremiah's. Uh, Peter, James, John, Paul, all of them, you know, I mean, the, you think about <laughs> which is what we should be striving for is is that great gift of of cutting loose any attachments that we have to self-preservation because it's a requirement in order to become the sons of God who you know they overcame him by the blood of the lamb salvation uh the word of their testimony and the final component 
they love not their lives unto death. It's a great poetic thing we like to to quote. Most people leave that part out, <laughs> but but what would seem to be a morbid thing, abhorrent to human existence, the thought of death. I mean, we have billion-dollar industries devoted to preserving life and youth, right? When 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 it's all been offered to us by Christ, <laughs> anyway, but. But the the loving not your life unto death is the power that breaks the enemy's back. It's the thing that he cannot deal with. Because his whole trip is is to try and, you know, keep us in fear and bondage because of death. And so we live lives that are governed by incredible selfishness, you know, self preservation. And, and and really at its core, whether we mask it at different times in our life, all about me and, and my comfort and, and, and so forth and so on, it is because... So Go ahead. No, I was saying so true. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's this part of the, of the demand of the gospel, you know, that, that part that, that requires everything. That's what Jesus said. You know, he that would come after me must must take up his cross and follow me. For he that would seek seek to save his life, this is the part, this is the gospel. He that would seek to save his own life will lose it. But he that will lose his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. And the losing of one's life, he, he's not just talking about, okay, I got to die right now. He's talking about the that place that can only be accomplished by the Holy Spirit in us. And through a process of wooing us there, through experience in the Spirit, you know, uh, the stepping stones of surrender. The, 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 the poetic scripture used, uh, in the way the scripture describes it is, had they been mindful of that place from which they had come out, they would have had an occasion to return to it. But now they seek a better country. That is a heavenly country. My God, you know, to get so out there that, that all that you've known up until that point no longer matters. And what Paul said, I forget those things that are behind me. And I'm reaching for something. There's something that has has hooked me like a like bait with a fish in a lake, man. I mean, I got hooked under that hook. It's it's the hook of God. It's those moments of revelation that become not just moments, but a lifetime of inspiration. And and beckoning to this undefinable thing that's driving you and propelling you to something that becomes so absolutely convincing that that is what you're living for. And you seek to take as many people with you as you can. <laughs> that's the gospel. You go and tell them, making disciples. And and as we approach the end of humanity's history as we know it, and the cosmos as we know it, really, and all the rebellion that has ever been since before the beginning of time, we're going to be urged on at levels that can never be defined by hum, human words. That's what Paul was talking about when you quoted that scripture earlier, Brother Jeremy. 
you know, uh, the Spirit uh, maketh intercession for us uh, with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, there's no human adequate language to speak what it is uh, and define and describe what it is that's pulling us forward into a glorious truth. And that's why what you were reading that Asaph said, it's like it's like a man that wakes up out of a dream. Because that's really what's going to happen. This life is but a dream, right? It's an illusion. And Jesus came to rescue us from it. And that is what Asaph began his appeal towards God, is God, remember, we've been purchased before there ever was a universe. Hallelujah. You you have to step in. Glory to God. And he is, trust me, very soon. He's coming. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know what else to say today, man. I mean, I just don't know what else to say. <laughs> Thank you, God. Brother Jeremy, for the time, any closing thoughts? No, I don't think I'll say anything more. It's probably go a little <laughs> deeper, but <laughs> yeah, there's so much there. I mean, uh, yeah. There's so much there, brother. I mean that that the Lord's bringing forth, and that the Lord is allowing us to to bring to God's people. I mean, this is, Thank this you, is our Lord. inheritance. This is yeah. our inheritance. This is for us. You Glory know, I, I think about what what you said that they sought a country, a heavenly country. Yeah. I mean, are you, uh, the question is, are we are we so consumed like these men and women of God were mentioned in Hebrews? Consumed yeah. with heaven, with 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 this 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 place, right? That we're heading towards. Yeah. You know, it it, it it doesn't line up with the modern day gospel, right? But you Not said it. that's what the go- that's what the gospel does. Yeah. It it, it 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 confronts our worldliness. It confronts our resistance and selfishness to of self preservation to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and not and not allowing our minds to be renewed to this way of thinking, which is the think the the thoughts of God. Literally, that's what you're reading. The thoughts yeah. of God. My goodness. You know, <laughs> that's what the Word of God is. We have the mind of Christ. This is Praise this God. is how He thinks. This is what He thinks. Let God's Word renew your mind. You know, just just allow it to just break mm. down preconceived thoughts of years and years of religious, so-called, you know, godly teachings that 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 are not of God. Yeah, they're not of God. You know that we have adopted throughout the years. You know, we need to come back to 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 a heart that desires the coming of the Lord. I mean, at the end of the day. Everything's on shaky ground right now. What can this world offer you right now? <laughs> yeah, my Lord. Nothing. Nothing. You know, so we we need to look to the Lord. That's it. You know. Praise God. I, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with this with this teaching for sure. Praise God. Well, one thing we could learn is that there's no way the natural mind can understand the spiritual things. Right. They can only spiritual things can only be discerned with comparing it with spiritual things, and that's what we have to understand. 
And when we yeah. came to Christ, when we came to Christ, we do, we have not received the spirit of the world, but That's the good. spirit which is of God. That why? That we might know the thing mm. that are, look at he said, not one thing, the thing, multifaceted, right? That are freely given to us of God. Amen. Wow. Powerful revelation to know he died for us. But to just say that's all he came for is not understanding the totality of why he paid the price of Calvary, why he shed the blood for the cosmos. And so these things, it starts simply with having a spiritual mind. Allow the, the, the word of God to wash you, to renew you. And then, as Brother Fernando quoted briefly, then, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. <laughs> and we look for a city, as Brother Marty said, we're looking ahead, heavenly things, spiritual-minded people. You're right. What else is there left here that you would want more than what God has to offer? We pray today that you've been blessed. We pray that this uh, study has touched you and ministered to your heart in one or some shape or form. And we pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue to glean from the book of Psalm 74. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.